Well, thank you very much. It was great to, um, to think about our Father in Heaven and how um, Jesus talking to us about forgiveness is a part of knowing freedom in our own lives. We're free from the mistakes that we make sometimes. And freedom is a thing that we all want. But some of us live our lives as slaves, slaves to law, slaves to homes, slaves to our past hurts that we carry around with us, slaves because we feel unworthy of love. And in the last few years, there's been lots of talk about a loss of freedom in the world and increasing slavery. And people are writing about the shaky ground on which democratic institutions are resting today. And at the core, there seems to be a loss of truth, not just in our society, but around the world. And the internet and various social media platforms are a part of this. If you wanna know more about this, try watching Netflix, The Social Dilemma. And uh, it talks about, because of the internet, just a loss of being able to know what is the truth because everybody's presenting things as truth on the internet. And we're also, so we're slaves to that from not knowing the truth, but we're slaves to our lack of understanding too about how God wants us to live. And so we need to listen to what God says about freedom and how he wants us to live. And salvation is a big word when you talk to Christians. That's, that's a, a really big thing to us all. And salvation is about being free, being saved from being kept in slavery. And at the Passover, the people of Israel are slaves and they have no freedom. We heard that reading from Exodus 14 today. The people can't even worship their God, Yahweh. And Moses, their leader, says to the Pharaoh of Egypt, the king of Egypt, let my people go. And the Pharaoh promises to let them go, but he always reneges on his promises. And finally, God gives him notice the final plague that's going to affect Egypt if they don't let the people go. And God says this, about midnight, I will go out through Egypt. Every firstborn in the land of Egypt will die from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne to the firstborn of the female slave and all the firstborn of the livestock. And so God instructs the people of Israel to mark their lintels and their doorposts with the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb will be the sign to God that an Israelite family lives there, so no harm will come to them. And the next morning, there was weeping and wailing among the households of the Egyptians because the firstborn of every family had died in the night. But all of the people of Israel were spared. And Moses taught all of the people that they must never forget the Passover. They must observe it every year. They must remember it. Remember the time that they'd been slaves and that by the strength of the hand of the Lord, they were given freedom, freedom from slavery. And it wasn't any of their doing, but it was God's strength alone that gave them that freedom. And there's no more basic word in the Bible than redemption. The Greek word for redemption means to set free, to set loose. And redemption means to be released from bondage. The very heart of God is love and salvation, and that idea that through God we are released from bondage. And the story of the Passover and the crossing of the Red Sea are a picture for us. The people were in bondage, but by God's work, God alone, they're taken out of slavery, out of bondage into freedom. And just as the Israelites were given life on the night of the Passover by the blood of the Lamb, so we too are given life as a free gift from God. It's a work totally of God, and it takes us out of slavery to freedom. If you're a Christian, just like the Israelites in Egypt one time, 
you and I were in slavery. We were slaves to our own egos that tell us we're very important. We're like God. We're slaves to people who want to gain power over us. We're slaves to drugs because we seek pleasure for our ourselves instead of joy in the Lord. That we're slaves, well, slaves to our iPhones and our computers because we seek to know the truth through that. And yet the truth has been stolen from the internet and we just know fake news. There's an amazing program on Netflix that points to the destruction of our society and freedom because of the total collapse of truth in our world and we're slaves to advertising. Increasingly, you hear about people being slaves to cocaine, to alcohol, to sex, to technology, to, what, to lies, and all of that happens because we've forgotten about God. We've forgotten to listen to the story of God because we don't love the Lord our God with all that we are, and we don't love our neighbors as ourselves. So you and I, we were like the Egyptians. We didn't want to know or love or follow God. So like the Egyptians, we were under God's wrath. So what does that mean, that idea of God's wrath? Is it that God gets really, 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 really mad at you? That he's having a temper tantrum because you're not behaving? God's wrath is really just this. It's his settled judicial opposition to evil and sin. God's wrath is objective and our guilt is objective. We're in slavery to sin and that meant that we were going to die. But just like at the Passover meal at the time of Moses, we too have our own Passover. And that was the night of the Last Supper when Jesus agreed to die so that you and I might live. And Jesus often was referred to as the Lamb of God. And when our own Lamb of God died on the cross, shed his blood for us, that was the ultimate saving act, even more powerful than when the people of Israel covered their door, doorposts and lintels with the blood of the Lamb. This was God come amongst us, God, the Lamb of God. And it worked, his dying for us. It worked, not just for one group of people, but for the whole world so that whoever comes under the blood of the lamb would receive new life, real life, as a gift from God. And anyone who does that is given life and freedom from slavery, a gift of love from God. And it's what God desires for all humankind, that we might all be set free. And God, like human mothers and fathers, our God desires that we turn from the things that hold us in slavery, and find true freedom in life. So how does that work? Well, if your son or daughter was addicted to crack cocaine, what would you do? As a father or mother, you would see the bondage that they were in and you'd probably do all you could to help them from, uh, from that slavery into freedom. We would love them dearly and we would be grieved by their slavery and we would hope that we could see the way to freedom, freedom in life, freedom in love not slavery to fear and oppression. And so God did everything that he could to save you and me. He did everything that he could to save the people of Israel too. And on the day of the Passover, the Pharaoh relents after he's seen what has happened and because he's disobeyed God, people have died. And so Pharaoh tells Moses, hey, get up, get away from me. You and all the Israelites, go and worship this God of yours, as you said, 
take your flocks and your herds, and as you said, be gone. And so he had set them free, free from slavery. And so they went. They'd been in slavery for over 400 years, and now they were free. So you can imagine the feelings that they must have had. What if you'd been a slave, and now you had your freedom? What would it mean to you to be given freedom? It's a complicated thing. David Martin Lloyd-Jones was a brilliant uh, writer and theologian, and he wrote a sermon on Romans 6, and he used this illustration to explain slavery and freedom. So Lloyd-Jones said, imagine that you were a slave in the southern United States in 1862. That was the year before the emancipation of the slaves in the United States. And that means you couldn't vote at that time because you, you hadn't been emancipated yet. You had no power. Somebody could come along and beat you up and maybe even kill you, but you didn't have any rights. So if you were in town and some white person told you to do this or that and was abusive to you, you'd probably be really frightened and you'd probably do whatever they said because you knew you had no rights. Well, say 10 years later, after the Emancipation Proclamation had been issued, you're no longer a slave, you have rights, but you walk into that town and a white person starts to yell at you. And even though you know in your head, hey, I have some rights here, those old feelings are still there. You're instantly afraid because you remember the past. And you're sort of thinking, oh, I better watch out here because I'm in trouble. And you're still scared and you're still acting like a slave who has no rights. That actually is similar to the condition of every Christian. You know, but you don't know. You know that you've been slaved from slavery to sin and that you are free. And if you really believed in your heart, what you know in your head, i.e. there is no condemnation for you because you're in Christ Jesus. And God regards you as perfect because of Christ's righteousness. Then you would not still be a slave in your heart to success or to what other people think of you or to other things that try to have power over you that take away from your love for God. Technically, objectively, you're not a slave. God has freed you from your sins, but you can't quite get that to go from your head to your heart. So remember, this is really important. God wants you to know this, that you're no longer in slavery. And it's so easy to slide back into the life of being a slave because, well, we become afraid, don't we? Another thing that keeps us enslaved is the fact that things that enslave us don't give up on us that easily. They long to keep us under their control. And an example comes from this story about the Red Sea and the Exodus. Because after the people of Israel finally gain their freedom, here's what the old slave driver Pharaoh does. Exodus 14, verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about the Israelites and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and we've lost their services. Services. That was a euphemistic term that they used for slavery because the Israelites were slaves and they were treated really badly. The Pharaoh calls out the army, the leaders of the country, and he says, we, we let them go, but do you know what that's going to mean to our economy? Do you know what that's going to mean to our lifestyle? We can't do this. We're going to pursue them through the desert. We're going to get them back 
And if they won't come back, we'll change their minds. So the Egyptians got in their chariots and they chased down the Israelites. Slavery works that way. Those things that hold you in power are loath to let you go. If you're a slave to alcohol, it's very hard to get away from alcohol. It keeps pursuing you. You have to fight pretty hard to stop turning back. It keeps calling you back. Or cocaine, those little white lines on the mirror call you back, send you love letters, miss you so much. Let's get together just one more time. Name anything that controls your life. Name anything that keeps you from giving your life to God. If you're a slave to something and you try to quit, what happens next? Your old master wants you back. If you're a slave to something, it's hard to stop being a slave. You panic because it's hard to fight against something that makes you a slave. But remember, God has written and signed the act of emancipation. God has acted in power and strength to set you free. You are free. Now live it. Tell it to yourself, tell it to those you love, tell your story of freedom to others so that you can stand with confidence, the confidence of a woman of freedom, a man no longer a slave, that we are set free by what God has done. We're set free by the blood of the lamb. If you don't tell yourself your story of freedom, you probably will start to tell yourself the wrong story. You'll start to say, well, maybe the old life in bondage was better. Well, that's what happened to the Israelites at first. When they saw Pharaoh's chariots bearing down on them, they turned to Moses, and this is what they said. Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. But if you turn back a couple of chapters from where that is written to when the Israelites were still in slavery in Egypt. Exodus chapter four, verse 29, here's what the Israelites said when they were in, in freedom. When the people of Israel heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped God. In other words, yes, give us this freedom. We, we didn't think anyone cared. and We thank you that you're willing to notice us and to set us free. And the Israelites were so happy that God had taken an interest in them, they bowed down and they worshiped him. After the Israelites had crossed over the Red Sea and were free, um, where they were in the wilderness, and they'd found that living in the wilderness was difficult, then they grumbled to Moses and Aaron again. The Israelites said to them, Oh man, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around and there were pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Two things to remember here. Living in freedom under God's rule is a dramatic change of life. And sometimes it takes a while to learn how to do it. I spoke to somebody who was addicted to cocaine. They lived in denial. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem at all. I don't, I don't, I don't want this freedom you're talking about. And others, like actor and comedian Russell Brand, put it this way. Drugs and alcohol are not my problem. Reality is my problem. Drugs and alcohol are my solution to fill up a hole inside of me. 
The hole inside of us is what keeps us in bondage. We ache to know that we are loved. We yearn to know that our lives matter. We search for meaning and truth. And until we find God, there is that empty hole inside of us. In bondage, we didn't love God with our whole being or love our neighbor as ourselves. So we have trouble believing that God loves us. We have trouble believing that God takes an interest in us, that he's seen our dilemma, that he's acted in power to rescue us. So we default to the idea that we need to earn God's favor, that we need to do something to be saved. But this is a key part of all of that, is from Exodus 14, verse 13. God says this, do not be afraid. Stand still, stand still. And you will see the deliverance of the Lord that will be brought to you this day. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. God says, stand still. Let me do what I can do to set you free. Stand still. He's not asking you to get busy and get better. He's saying, stand still. Charles Spurgeon, famous theologian, wrote this. These words, stand still, contain God's command to the believer when he or she is reduced to difficult straits and brought into the extraordinary difficulties that we face, then stand still. Despair whispers, lie down and die, give up. Cowardice says, this is too difficult. Forget your principles. When we are being rash, we say, well, I have to do something right now. Presumption boasts, well, I'm just going to expect a miracle. But faith listens to none of these, but rather hears God say, stand still, immovable as a rock. We sometimes revert, we sometimes tell ourselves that we need to earn good standing with God by doing enough good things. We hoped that our good things would outweigh the bad things, and so God would say, good work. You're one of the people we want in here, but you know, that's not what the Christian faith teaches. That's some other religion, but the Christian faith says, God just accepts you and says, I love you and welcomes you. You don't have to do anything and you can't do anything to earn it. Some religions tell us to think this other way, but Christian faith says God's not like that. Our freedom, our new life is a gift of love and there's nothing he can do to earn God's love. He loves you first. He saves you and it costs nothing because Christ paid for everything. So be still and then give thanks. Remember, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and we're here because by, uh, we're, by grace we're forgiven. And that's because of all that God has done for us. Through Christ, we got out, got out of slavery, got out of that place we didn't want to be. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but under grace. That's objective freedom. Think of Charles Wesley's composition, And Can It Be, written in the 1760s. And I think they understood this idea of allowing God to set you free in a way that we don't today. In his lyrics, he wrote this. My long, long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. Thine eyes diffused a quickening ray. I woke, the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I rose, went forth and followed thee. It's an amazing song of liberty, of freedom, of being set free. 
And it's true. We have those experiences and yet every so often we find our, in our hearts we're, we're not free. We put ourselves back into bondage or we allow others to put us back there. They do that through unforgiveness. When someone won't forgive you, your sins are forgiven. God tells you that. Sometimes people will say, I don't forgive you. That's a power play to keep you believing that you're still a slave of sin. Jesus is clear about that. You are set free. Live in that freedom. Sometimes we feel God couldn't possibly love us, that we need to do something to earn his favor. That's Satan whispering lies to you. But we're people of the truth. God brought the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and gave them the law. That's the gospel, the good news. It's not this, because I'm obeying God, now I'm saved. No, it's this, because I have been saved by God's free grace, and now I want to obey God. It's an act of love, and I obey God. More than that, God said to Israel, I'm the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy, because I am holy. Why do you sin? We sin because we're being controlled by our idols, like fear. But the grace of God frees us from idols. We're saved by faith alone. That's found throughout the Exodus story and through the passion of Christ. It's amazing. It's the gospel. And may you know that gospel deep inside of you. Let's pray this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that You've done everything that we might be free, free to worship you, free to know that we're loved, free to know that through you our lives matter. You've set us free from all the things that hold us in slavery. Now, Lord, as we walk in the wilderness, help us to live our freedom. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.